Welcome to Women's Cricket Worldwide, the official podcast of Cricket Without Borders. My name is Ken Jacobs, and over the coming weeks, I look forward to bringing you some wonderful interviews with people involved in women's cricket, both locally and from around the world. Welcome to this week's edition of Cricket Without Borders podcast on all things women's cricket worldwide, and it's my great pleasure to welcome Jenny Thompson to our podcast this week, and Jenny is about to embark on a massive tour of cricket countries all around the world, but I'll come back to that in a little bit of time. But initially, Jenny, I'd like to ask you, if you don't mind, where your love for cricket started. Thanks, Ken. Thanks very much for having me. So, Cricket is the very fabric of my family and there was no escaping it when I was younger. And eventually, having been the archetypal backyard bowler to my older brother who wanted to bat, um, I was lucky enough to be invited to play for the boys 11 when I was 11 years old at school. And they were just so welcoming and it was a really really supportive atmosphere and the cricket coach Colin Dunkley he was brilliant as well really amazing and I was very fortunate to be given this opportunity and I did encounter some interesting comments from the opposition but actually my mum had forewarned me by saying just expect that the boys will think you're either the opening bowler or the opening bat. And I said, but mum, I'm just a player. And she said, we know that, but to be in the team, they'll expect you to be better than anyone else. And it was, I, I just could not understand what she meant, but she was absolutely right. But even, you know, the opposition, they were fine, ultimately, because it's just what you do on the pitch. It's interesting you say that because I can remember on our very first tour of Cricket Without Borders back in 2011, and which was to England and Singapore. And in some of our matches in England, we played against schoolboy school teams and, and there were a few comments made about why we're playing against girls and so forth. But mm-hmm. they soon, soon learned that our girls were pretty good and we actually defeated a team when we played our a match at Eton College and we mm-hmm. defeated a, an all-boys team there and, and their coach, which was fairly ordinary, the coach really berated the boys after the match for you know, for losing to, a, to a, a so-called group of girls and it was really done, it was pretty poor taste in many respects because it was just not necessary enough. As you said, they were just playing cricket. And so... You progressed from your school school team. So, what where did where did where did things move to then with your cricket? Well, I was I oh, sorry, I was very lucky that a women's team set up in my area, and at the time, I had no idea that women's cricket existed whatsoever. It was completely invisible, and in those days, this is the early nineties. Cricket was delivered by an amateur association, the Women's Cricket Association, who just worked tirelessly and, you know, obviously without monetary reward, but that wasn't why they were doing it. For many decades, fostering women's and girls' cricket, and that's the system where 
Charlotte Edwards came through, Claire Connor came through, and actually they provided a pathway. So, you know, you could go to junior county trials and then from there, if you were good enough, progress to county seniors. And actually, just to illustrate how invisible women's cricket was back back in those days, I was bowling at some junior England trials and I beat someone's edge twice, then I caught their edge. And there was such a fuss made. I knew I must have done something, but I didn't realise who I'd got out. And even when they told me who I'd got out and the fact that she'd been playing for England for two years, I still didn't know who she was. And it was Charlotte Edwards. And, of course, everybody knows Charlotte Edwards now. And as a measure of progress, about about 10 years later, because, again, you know, women's cricket, it's taken a long time to get any kind of visibility or women being your idols or household names. My friend and I celebrated one time that he emailed me and he said, look, Charlotte Edwards is the answer in a Guardian crossword. And we thought, women's cricket has arrived. It's arrived. You know, that was our sort of yardstick Fantastic. in the early 2000s. So, so you then you then went to university and did a, a, a double degree in, in English literature and management studies. So were you playing cricket when you were at university? Yes, I was captain at Leeds University and that was such a wonderful time. It was the first experience for me of equity, like genuine equity in the game, even though my team was probably two or three cricketers and the rest, you know, were sort of contra deals with your mates. You know, you play soccer for me, football, I'll play cricket for you, that kind of thing. You know, it didn't matter that what our standard was. The university's philosophy was that we, as the first women's team, should play on the first pitch. And prior to that, I'd been always used to, in women's cricket, being relegated to the second or third pitch. So that was interesting. And then through that, I also played the British universities, which, you know, any cricket in those, well, any cricket, any time is always a great experience and always an opportunity to learn. So you were well and truly hooked on the, on the, on the game of cricket by then? Absolutely. You know, it, it's just such a character building game. And, you know, it's got that lovely length of time that you've got to really connect with people. And, you know, it's so much fun on the pitch and just the challenge of trying to improve your game all the time is, you know, it's a really, really good challenge and really fun. And actually, I had 10 years out from playing cricket. It's only two years ago that I picked up the game again and I love it so much I'm <laughs> I'm off on a world tour. But it took, it, it sounds almost ridiculous, but it took that decade out from cricket to come back and realise the beneficial impacts on your mental health and your self-esteem and it's not, in inverted commas, just a fun and frivolous thing to do. It's, you know, 
cricket has genuine, genuine impact. And, you know, it's such a, I mean, all sports good, but I really have that special place in my heart for cricket. Cricket. So from there, from university, and you then started working and you, you worked with ESPN Crick Info and then a little bit later with Sky Sports. So can you tell us a little bit about, about your journey there? Sure. So Sky Sports was first and I was sort of behind the scenes across a lot of different sports, which is really good. And I had some time in the um, cricket department in production, which was really interesting. But for me, I've always been interested in the written word. So when the opportunity came up to join Cricket, um, I could not refuse. It was a wonderful opportunity and I was covering both men's cricket and women's cricket and it was interesting with men's cricket in that you could assume a lot of prior knowledge uh, from the readers so you were able to be a little bit more entertaining and fun in some ways so I was actually the first woman to commentate on test match cricket worldwide but I didn't, you know, I didn't realise that at the time or I didn't pay much heed to it. But I think, you know, in retrospect, anything like that just gives the example that other people can do it if they want. For me, I just wanted to do it. <laughs> and similarly with women's cricket, with Quick Info, you know, the strapline being the complete cricket website, to me it was very important to grow the women's coverage and do it fully in depth but that was more of a kind of in some ways in informational role and um, advocacy role because I really wanted to get some change in the women's game and you know the needle was moved a little bit in my time but um, I, I must say I, I find it quite funny that I Hold on. Sorry, I just got a message on the um, yes. about Zoom. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I did too. So we haven't got too much time remaining. So if you don't mind, we might just jump ahead and uh, to the main sure. reason. Um, well, I'm happy, obviously, to talk to you. But the main reason is to <laughs> talk to you a little bit more about Her World Cricket Tour that you're undertaking in or next month. In a few days' time, you're off which is sort of quite remarkable and just for people to understand what you're looking to embark on is to to play coach and mentor women and girls in more than 50 countries around the world. Now, that's some some mission that you've set yourself, Jenny. Can you just explain a little bit more about sort of why you're doing this and and how long it's going to take and a little bit more about the your about her world cricket tour? Yes, absolutely. So it was something that I've been thinking about subconsciously for about five years. And then in the last two months, I thought, no, I'm going to go for this. So I hit the go button. And it's been go, 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 literally ever since. But it's very exciting, obviously, quite daunting. But you know, I love I guess I love a challenge and I love logistics and I love cricket and I love travel and I love people and I love trying to get any change that I can for women and girls. So if you put it all together, it's a great opportunity to go around the world and see 
the state of women's cricket, see if I can have an impact or help. And I won't know how I can help until I'm asked to help. And already I have been helping and I haven't even left Adelaide yet. So I'm just really looking forward to it. And like you said, it, it should be between 50 and 60 countries at this stage. We'll see how it goes. And initially, I sort of ballpark for two years. But, you know, as these things go, it's already going to be at least three years, I think, just to, you know, really do it justice and just, you know, take my time. Well, well Cricket Without Borders are certainly uh, looking forward to helping you down the track. And we've got, got a few ideas that we're discussing at the moment. We'll come back to you in due course about all of that. So I understand that you're also undertaking this sort of mathy, massive task uh, with the support of the LBW Trust in Sydney. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Well, I'm fundraising for the LBW Trust. So LBW, in this case, stands for Learning for a Better World. And uh, the idea behind it is to provide education in cricket-playing developing nations. And... I also understand that if you complete your ambitious task, it will create a world record. Is that correct? And playing cricket in the most number of countries by any single person, I'll say at one time, but in one consecutive period? By a woman. A woman. Um, <laughs> yes. So I've just applied to Guinness to see if there's any ratification for a new category of Guinness World Records. So we'll see how that goes. But actually, in conceiving of this idea, I thought, I wonder if anyone has been crazy enough to attempt this before. <laughs> so I Googled, you know, and I found someone who, in some senses, is sort of twice as ambitious as me in that his name is Jason Barry, and he played in the 90s. He went to 113 countries. And, of course, how do you arrange that? He arranged it all by fax machine. Did he really? Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So he's great. He's really been helping me with some guidance and, you know, just some psychological support when I think this is, this is really massive. What am I doing? He said to me, just let it roll have a good time and everything will fall into place and just remember why you're doing it. So, you know, that's, that is really important to me mm. anytime, you know, because I do have anxiety. So anytime, which is daily, I start to panic about this. I think, no, remember why you do it. I have to give myself a pep talk. Remember why you're doing it, <laughs> you know, and then I just move on. So, and, and Jenny, you're planning to document your tour? That's right. Yes. So uh, I've set up a website, which will be in operation soon, herworldcrickettour.com, and I'll blog what's going on there. I've also got Insta and Facebook pages, and various publications are also interested in carrying articles as I go along. But a key factor for me will be my sort of personal diary from which eventually I can, you know, glean everything and put everything condensed down into a lovely edited book 
one day. <laughs> sound, look, it sounds wonderful and, and very ambitious, I must add. But in the remaining time that we have, and you mentioned that you're leaving from Adelaide, and yes. we didn't touch on that intervening period between London and or England and, and Adelaide. So you've been in Adelaide for the last decade or so? Yes, 15 years now. It's gone so quickly. And, and, and what have you been doing there? So I was working for the government for 12 years of that for the last four premiers, including the current one, Peter Malinaskis. And prior to that, I got the transfer with Crick Info. So I worked for them for a few years. And then I did some freelance writing for a few years as well. As well as playing cricket, of course. As well as playing cricket in the initial stages. And then I had the decade off, during which time I played hockey, which was really fun. I really like hockey as well. But, you know, like I say, you always come back to cricket. So two years ago, <laughs> And I, under- I, I understand you've you're been a very successful grant applicant for cricket clubs and hockey clubs and since your time, you've been in Adelaide and been successful in securing, helping them secure significant funding for developments at the, at the clubs. Yeah, that's right. We're, we're lucky, I think, in Australia to have so much government support available, you know, local councils, state and federal governments. And, you know, it's across all three tiers of government that I've been involved in being successful with getting, you know, female change room facilities via an entire new club room build for hockey and, you know, equipment grants and a new flips pick. Matt, that's not easy to say, for the juniors at one of my cricket clubs, you know, and I I just think investment in sport is just so beneficial for the community. You know, it's it's vital for a community well-being and I would love any dollar in our, uh, you know, government budgets to go towards sport always. Well, I couldn't couldn't agree more, and I mean it's certainly one of the uh, I think one of the areas of where in Australia, as I said, we're fortunate to have pretty good support for for sport from government and at all levels, and uh, long may it rain. As we we're running cl- close to to time, Jenny. So as we wind up, on behalf of everyone at Cricket Without Borders and everyone who might be listening in, wish you all the very best on Her World Cricket Tour and and your ambitious task and we look forward to following you on social media and 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 with your blog and learning more about how you're going and 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 as i said down the track we'll have some further discussions about how cricket without borders are planning to help you more on on your on your trek around the world so thank you very much for joining us and it's been a great pleasure to have you thank you so much ken and thanks to cricket without borders as well i really appreciate your ongoing support thank you thanks jenny thank you very much indeed Thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of our Cricket Without Borders podcast. Please make sure you follow the show in your podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. Or please follow us on social media or on our website www.cricketwithoutborders.com.au. Thank you and look forward to tuning in for our next episode.